Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast presented by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller and Pilsy. They are dropping like flies. It was the Blackhawks last night and a trio of teams in the handshake line today. We'll get into all that and some Sens news of maybe what they could have done. We'll get into that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, August 19th. Pilsy, another one bites the dust. It's the three C's. Do you know what they stand for? Clear, concise, conversational. No, Pilsy, this isn't broadcast school anymore. It stands for Chicago, Carolina, and Columbus. Because at the time of recording, those three teams have been eliminated. We're recording right now. It is nearing the end of the second period in the Coyotes to add a fourth C. They are getting handed. It's 5 nothing for the Avalanche. So that one is just about as much of a route as possible. Credit for Darcy Kemper even just standing in there and getting that win. That was about as big of a mismatch, and we kind of knew it going in. The only thing holding this kind of series together was Darcy Kemper. And goalie-friendly show, you got to feel for a goalie who puts it all out on the line and gets nothing back in return. And credit to the Coyotes. I thought they had a couple bounce-back performances, but... Just sometimes they're just falling so flat and guys just aren't performing. And it's it's tough because how are they going to convince Taylor Hall to re-up and extend here? And if they lose Taylor Hall, all those picks and uh, prospects they sent the other way, that's going to look like a big waste. So that's going to be real tough for the Coyotes if uh, they go down like this. It's 5 nothing at the time of recording, so not looking good there. Well, no, it's, it's completely over. And I was going to say, like, Taylor Hall, like, did did he even play? Did Phil Kessel play? These were two guys. They went in to push them over the top. They yeah. had a young team. They have Clayton Keller, who looked all right. And credit to Taylor Hall. He did have six points here in what it will be nine games, in eight, of course, that are official and, and done already. But, man, you have to go all the way down the line, man. And Phil Kessel, one goal. Like, one goal, really, man? I mean, there's going to be a lot of upset people in in Arizona. And Steve Sullivan, that's a tough situation. He's walking in as the GM, not thinking that he was even going to be in this spot. What? Where does he go? I mean, Taylor Hall aside, what what's the next steps for this Coyotes team? Ross, I don't really know. Uh, and then you're looking. It's it's kind of surprising, but. The Coyotes were without their top goal scorer or point getter, Nick Schmaltz. He wasn't there the whole time. And when Nick Schmaltz is leading your team in points and then you don't have him, that's tough for sure. But yeah, the Coyotes, they've got a lot of guys locked up too, like uh, Ekman Larson, Chikrin. Uh, you got signed a lot Keller. of guys to long term deals. Yeah, you got so Christian Dvorak. No, you're kind of stuck, which is the real tough part here. And The Coyotes just have never been able to draft well. I think that's the whole reason they've been stuck in kind of no man's land and not really getting any playoff success or even having a hard time making the playoffs because 
look at the high draft picks they have. They've traded all of them. Like, none of them have worked out. Uh, Domi didn't work out. Strom didn't work out. Uh, Galchenyuk didn't work out. They, they didn't draft him, but it didn't work out there. So just a lot of guys that they put a lot of value and weight into. And then they traded them back for, it seems like, bad returns. Nick Schmaltz was a good return. Uh, that was lucky for them there, but... I would not want to be the Coyotes GM, uh, that's for sure. We should mention as well, and I'm just looking on Twitter, a great screen grab of Taylor Hall looking disheveled on the bench, and it's Brochensky who just puts pain. And Brochensky, Chris B., will be joining us later as a Send Central citizen, so stay tuned for that later on in the show. We do have some Sens notes to get to as well, but to transition, and maybe you're going to go back to the Coyotes here, I don't know, but of the two eliminated teams Two of the eliminated teams, which goalie were you more impressed with? Was it Darcy Kemper or Jonas Corposalo? This guy had a 940 save percentage and he won two out of six games. Like, what? Ross, it's Corposalo. Like, he just had such a, a strong start. And then remember, he was out for a while. And then Merzlikens was the big show, uh, even though we got to see Merzlikens at his worst when the Sens played him. They basically. Uh, kicked him out of the building, piling up goals, especially Anthony Duclair with the Hattie against his old team. How are you? Thank ya? you very much. Yeah, so I, I'm going to give that to Corpusalo because you're looking at a Columbus team who everyone thought was crazy to let, well, not crazy, but were kind of showing sympathy towards because they obviously weren't able to keep Bobrovsky. And then he goes and signs a monster deal. And you're like, who are the Columbus goalies going to start in net? And it turns out the Nobody guys they you had... Can pronounce. Yeah, oh my God, seriously. I don't think I could get through uh, their full name of goaltenders. It would take me too long and I would uh, offend too many families with the mispronunciations there. But Columbus, they're making it work and they trusted their guys. That's kind of the opposite of the Coyotes. They've drafted guys who maybe you haven't heard of because you can't pronounce their names long enough to watch or type in their name in Google but they've worked out for them. And I think they've got a real good culture going there. And if they can get uh, like another big star power guy um, in their forward core, I think they could be a solid playoff team. Yeah, they are missing that star. Like imagine this hardworking team, the way they played with Panarin. Yeah. Like forget Bobrovsky, just with Panarin, with the goaltending they were getting. Like you think what a missed opportunity. But then again, you look last year and they beat this Tampa Bay team that beat them. Now, talk about Braden Point, too. Like, what a stud. Two game-winning goals. He had he had the winner, but you noticed, and I think we all did, oh, that's going to be a tough play for that Columbus defender to look at going through through the offseason. Well, it was both of them. Uh, it was Savard, and I'm blanking on uh, his partner. Who You you like him. Gavrikov? Oh, Gavrikov. Gavrikov, yeah. Yeah, so, my, so, my mini A-train. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're showing that uh, they weren't, they're not on the hands team, that's for sure, because Savard banks one off the boards. It goes in uh, Gabrikov's feet, and then that's an easy play to feed it to who else but Braden Point, of all people, all alone out front in OT in an elimination game. Yikes. Here are the goalie names for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm glad you're doing this. Yeah. So this, this is actually going to be hard for me. You have Jonas Corpusalo, which. We, he's such a household name now that it's not uh, not a, as difficult. So you have Jonas Korpisalo and Vehi Vehilainen from Finland. And then how rare is it to have two Latvians on a team, let alone two Latvian goalies? 
They have Elvis Merzlikens and Matisse Kivlinietskis. If I butchered that, I'd like to apologize to any Latvians who may be listening or offended by that. Let's move to our Sens Abroad team. So Columbus, by the way, stick taps. That was a really impressive Big performance. Um, Arizona, if you're paying attention to how Columbus played, maybe that's how you guys should play next year in the playoffs. Chicago, another hardworking team. They battled, and Corey Crawford stole them a game. But at the end of the day, that Vegas team is a wagon. And you look at the pieces they got for, for cheap at the deadline. Like, yeah, you can argue that they got stone cheap based on his value. But I'm talking about guys lower in the depth chart. Nick Cousins, fourth rounder. Chandler Stevenson, cup champ, fifth rounder. Getting these pieces were so big for them because they're able to pick and place guys wherever they want. You'll see Chandler Stevenson go up and play a shift with Mark Stone or Pacioretty drop down and play a line with Cousins for for a shift. Like The coaching that Pete DeBoer is doing has really impressed me, but literally they're just flying in all cylinders. How fun, and I assume we're taking in a short amount of games, Colorado and Vegas. Is that going to be the best matchup that you could possibly imagine in this postseason? Winner of that series, I in my eyes, goes on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, what right? if they beat the crap out of each other? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, th- that could be a big problem because I don't see that game or that series, sorry, happening in less than seven games, right? And I'm you're thinking probably a couple OT games there too because these these two teams are so evenly matched. And you mentioned the depth of Vegas and how they got cheap pieces at the deadline. How about the Colorado Avalanche? Vlad Nemesikov for a fifth-round pick. That's incredible value for a guy like that to come in uh, to your team at the deadline. And, yeah, then Kadri is firing on all cylinders. Um, they got Jonas Donskoy there, like... Colorado really did a good job of filling in the cracks in their lineup this year, and they have a full roster now, especially with the emergence of Kale McCarr. Yep, they sure do. The only place where I would give um, Vegas an advantage is in between the pipes, where Robin Leonard has just taken the starting job and run with it. I can't wait to see what he signs for. Three one-year contracts in a row. For Robin Leonard, you got to imagine he's in for a, a large payday in terms of term. And he won't accept anything less. Nor should he. He went 3-1 and one in this series. Flurry did pick up one of the wins. So if you add those three wins together, that's unbelievable. He's 15-2-1 and one against his former teams now. Like, that's all time. That guy um, holds a grudge. You think he watched the Michael Jordan documentary? I, I think he could probably relate to that. Man, the way the Islanders are playing, he might face another former team in the Stanley Cup Finals with the Islanders are just going outrageous. Like, give give Washington credit. They weren't going to get swept. There's no way that Ovi and those guys were going to allow, um, allow that to happen in four games. But um, I can't see it lasting too much longer either as Pajot is playing really well. Also, Mark Stone, we should mention before moving on that he did score. We got to steal, snipe, Selly out of Mark Stone. Boy, he looks fired up. Shocker there. And you know that when Stone gets fired up in a game, afterwards, he's reaching for a Bilt Bar. That's right. It's the candy bar tasting, protein bar inducing, high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low in fat. You don't want any of that garbage sugar. Ugh, it's just terrible. You can taste it right away. You want the built bar that gives you everything you need to recover after a great workout. They come in 16 amazing flavors, eight without nuts, 
eight have chocolate and nuts, but they're all dipped and covered in chocolate. Ross, and we got some new flavors here with Build Whoa. Bar too. Listen to this. Lemon almond cheesecake. That's an interesting one. Here's one I'm excited about. I just had an apple crisp the other day. How about apple almond crisp? Oh, oh. man, is that going to be good. Sign and me I think, up. I think there's another new flavor, too. They're really on the almond train. So if you guys love almonds, coconut almond as well. So check out these new flavors from Built Bar. Built Bar is back. Yeah, they're back in a big way with the Locked On Podcast Network. And they were so excited to come back. It's not only for new customers anymore. If you have tried Built Bar before and you loved it, you can go right now to BuiltBar.com and put in the promo code Locked On. It's $10 off your next order. It used to be $10 off your first order, but they, they've had so much traffic. They love the Locked On Podcast Network. So do we. And that's why they've made it now that it's all orders. Your next one, $10 off. Get a beer on us. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and get it for yourself. All right, Brandon, before we get to our Send Central Citizen with Chris B, not Chris B, Parley will be back soon, though. We know it. Brochensky, we'll get to him. Great talk about Colin White, what his ceiling could be. A couple other notes as well. We got to talk about Lassie Thompson, and I'm pretty pissed because they're Ilvis, his team with a crazy logo. I don't even know what that thing is. It almost looks like it belongs in Monsters, Inc., but... The the team there, they started their preseason schedule, and Lassie Thompson wasn't on the roster. So I said, hey, what's going on here? And because he sends property, he has to be specifically assigned there. Were you surprised that he was not? I wouldn't say I'm surprised because I think we know the Senators like to or prefer to keep their guys close and kind of in-house, especially now that they have a guy like Troy Mann, who they put a lot of faith, a lot of trust in, in Belleville. And I'm sure him and uh, DJ Smith know exactly kind of what the game plan is for development of certain guys and how they want guys to come up and uh, what kind of what kind of play they expect from certain guys when they make the jump from Belleville to Ottawa. But in my mind, I'm kind of with you, Ross. Like, in these uncertain times, like, AHL season is supposed to start in early December. That's so far away from now. Who knows what's going to happen? And the AHL is a league that relies so much on fans because they don't have these big, fat TV contracts like the NHL does that they need um, fans in the building to generate a lot of offense. So if we're still in the stage where we're not having fans at games, that's probably NHL teams taking on a lot of the finances of their AHL teams or depending on what deals they have in place. I'm not really a business uh, uh, major, so I don't know all the connections there. But in my mind, if the Senators have a way to get their especially young developing prospects to play hockey, do it. Doesn't, like, it sound like a, doesn't it sound like a no-brainer? They have the opportunity to play. And there's been a precedent set. Tobias Bjornfoot, just to stay in Scandinavia, he was in a, a 2019 first-round pick. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, because so was Lassie Thompson. Bjornfoot went three picks later. And he actually came over to North America last year, right away. Played most of the season with the Ontario Reign. Played three games in the National League as well. So he got his debut. He was reassigned. To Jurgard, also being reassigned. Maurice Sider 
played a full year in the AHL. He was the sixth overall pick. They wanted him to play, so he's back in Germany. You look at uh, Marion Studenekic, rather. I'm probably butchering that name, but he was from New Jersey, reassigned to Slovan Bratislava. Vile Heinola, another first-round defenseman. See a trend? Three first-round defensemen. One of them is not playing hockey right now. Is just sitting idle. That is unacceptable to me. He should be playing as often as possible. And if they think he's going to make belt, the Senators this year, like Craig Button said on this podcast right here, he doesn't need seasoning. He's ready. Well, you can get, you can come right over. And I don't buy this whole, oh, well, what if he plays over 100 games? He's not playing over 15 minutes a game in Ottawa. He's not going to be burnt out by the end of the year. He's a first-round pick. He's physically ready to play. Let him play. And even if, that. even if that is the case, Ross, like, you think they're just tossing him on the ice and not monitoring these things? Like, if it comes to a point where it's like, yeah, he's going to play a bunch of games um, overseas, and then, yes, the NHL season and or AHL season goes smoothly and he's going to come back here, they're not just going to, even if he plays in Belleville, he's going to be a top pair defenseman. They're not just going to pile him out there for 25 minutes a night every single night and, and just burn him to the ground, right? Like, this is one of their prize assets they're going to be monitoring him maybe we see some load management i hate using that term in hockey but maybe you see it these are uncertain times right like this is very unprecedented they're going to be every player is probably going to have much more closely um looked at health stuff right so i think it's not a problem at all if you double dip and he plays overseas then comes back here i want to see as much lassie thompson as possible and I'm still on the side where I'd like him to start in Belleville, play some top line minutes, get some power play minutes, get some confidence going. Then you can bring him up later. But yeah, I think it does seem like a swing and a miss here. Like, especially when you're listing off all those other teams with prospects in similar situations, all following suit. And the Senators are the one team not doing that. Weird. There is zero benefit in him staying Idle and not playing games. Saving money on plane tickets, Ross. You got to think about that. Come on. I don't know. I want to see him play for Yelvis. He played 39 games there last year. Seven goals, six assists. Didn't exactly tear it up, per se. Nor do people expect it as a young defenseman in a pro league. But even more reason to get a couple extra games. Like, come on. So that's a big swing and a miss. Not happy about that. What I am happy to say is a big happy birthday to our boy, friend of the show, Joey Decord, turns 24 today. People forget that he and Marcus Hogberg are only one year apart, although it seems like Hogberg has been in the system forever. So he's another day closer to playing in the National Hockey League. You heard that here. Don't let people tell you that the Sens don't have a stud prospect in goal. His name is Joey Decord, and he was born on August 19th. I don't know what year. He's 24, okay? Figure it out. Not a, 2020. Not a math guy, but uh, 20, anyways, time to get to our Send Central Citizen. We're excited to bring on Chris B at Brochensky. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. Without further ado, here he is. Is this the biggest bro that's ever come on the Locked On Senators <laughs> podcast? Could be. We've got Brochensky with us. Chris B, how are you doing today? Thanks, I'm good. How are you, boys? Oh, we're doing all right. Pillsy's in his retirement community now. He left the big city, so now I'm pretty lonely here. But Pillsy, you doing all right over there? Oh, yeah, it's going all right up here in Collingwood. But uh, let's get to our Send Central citizen here, Chris B. Chris, the way we like to do this, 
everybody's got some sort of weird, crazy story why they ended up being an Ottawa Senators fan. So tell us your first memory of the Ottawa Senators and how you became an Ottawa Senators fan. Uh, really, the first memory was uh, uh, that's my going to my first Sens game because uh, I was from Nova Scotia, so didn't really grow up a Sens fan. I was actually a, a Habs fan to begin yeah, with. Oh, yeah, we can edit that out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sad revelation. But yeah, my dad was a his family were big diehard Habs fans, and yeah, then when we moved to Ottawa, '98, uh, right when that team was just getting loaded with all those young guys. And, you know, there's just such a buzz around the city about them. And, yeah, my dad, you know, he took me to my first game. I think it was 2000 against the Rangers. And I think they won, like, 7-2 to two or something. And I, I just fell in love after that. Like, I didn't want to wear my Habs backpack to school anymore. And, yeah, from there, I just became a Suns fan. Nice. Traded out the Habs backpack for some Habs toilet paper, I'd imagine, <laughs> there, hey? Uh, who's yeah. your first favorite senator? I mean, Alfie's the easy answer. Was there maybe a more uh, low-key guy that you really resonated with? Oh, I really loved Havlat. He was just so electrifying. He was just flying around the ice. And, yeah, I absolutely loved him at the beginning. And, you know, he's a young guy, too. All right, so... We got your favorite player. We got some early memories. Now, the second half of Send Central Citizen, you got to come in here with some sort of hot take. Like, give us something we're not ready to hear. We know you got some opinions about Colin White and what kind of career projections he's got. So hit us with that hot take now. Yeah, I was thinking about Colin White because, uh, well, actually, <laughs> just start off, actually, I just bought his jersey. I found one on uh, Overstock. I got it. It was Fanatics after shipping, like 35 bucks. So a good deal, but uh, so I feel bad saying this, but yeah, I was just thinking about him, feeling kind of down about him, not really thinking he's going to be projecting like much of an offensive player. Yeah, you think he's uh, going to be stuck on like a third line? Do you see him as a centerman going forward? I'm of the mind that if you push him over to right wing, you might be able to get a little more out of him offensively where he doesn't have to work as hard defensively. Not the, not the smoothest skater, not like he's bad at it, but he's definitely not going to excel in that category. Do you think he'd be better on the wing maybe? Yeah, I could see wing because – I don't think he has that really that vision, that playmaking ability in the offensive zone. And, and I think his best times as a center was definitely alongside Duchesne and Zingle. I mean, those are two pretty good players, but you know, he, he was on the wing there. And that's when he kind of looked best. It was tough when you think back, like you look at the roster from the 2017 playoffs and soon it's going to, he's going to be the only guy left to play a game. I'm pretty sure he played five minutes and was minus two against Pittsburgh he just looked like a puppy out there like and you you can't blame him like he came in played two games at the end of that season I think maybe three um to burn that year off after finishing a pretty solid college career like you mentioned maybe you're not as high on him now were you of the mind when he was lighting it up at Boston College when he was first line player at the world juniors I think he wore an A uh, at the at the world juniors with the states were you of the mind that he was going to be a top line guy that was when I started feeling more positive about him because I think when they drafted him they all kind of all the draft ports said, you know, good defensively, but probably not going to be much more than average offensively. And yeah, that, that second season there in, in Boston, like you really piled up the goals there. Um, it, it's kind of hard to say because the college season is only, you know, like 35 games. Right. Um, I, I did start thinking, you know, a bit more positively about him and, but you know, I just think as his career has gone on, he just hasn't really shown much offensive flash. It's tough, too, when you look at the draft that he came from, 2015. It's so strong. If you look yeah. just behind him, you got names like Travis Konechny, Ilya Samsonov, and 
Can you believe that Sebastian Ajo went in the second round of that draft? Like that kid is unreal. So maybe that, that could play a role um, just in terms of the projection around the other guys and Thomas Shabbat going three picks in front of him. Looking back, do you think that there was a little extra pressure because he was the pick that came back in the uh, Robin Leonard trade? I mean, shout out David Leguan for being in that one as well. But it was pretty much a one-for-one, the, the pick that ended up being Colin White for Robin Leonard. So going back, I mean, it's kind of hard to look at it in hindsight with all the, the mental ch- or the off-ice challenges, I should say, that Robin Leonard has, um, has overcome now. But looking back, would you have done that trade on draft day, knowing what you only knew then? Uh, I think I still would like the market around goalies is always pretty questionable. And, you know, at the time, like Robin Leonard, like he got off to a hot start, but he really kind of fizzled out with the senators. Like he really wasn't too great um, that last season with them. And, you know, can compare like what New York got for Cam Talbot, who was looking like he would, he was going to be a much better goaltender. I think they only got like a, was a second and two thirds or something. Yeah. I, can't remember, what I remember that was underwhelming too, though. Yeah, or I mean, even Ben Bishop, Corey Connick, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I think at the time that was still a good return, but I mean, I guess the one silver lining there is that that draft, they still got Shabbat. Yeah, 100%. And also, if you look um, down the line um, later in that draft, the guy we're high on, our boy Joey Decord, going in the uh, in the seventh round of that draft. And then um, was that the year Christian Willannon, I believe, also went in the, the fourth round? I could be wrong on that, but you think so, Pilsy? Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah, you, you can you can stat check that, Ross. And so, Chris, you're all right with the trade that brings Colin White here. How do you feel about that contract now, though? Having said what you said, Maybe you think it's better he goes to a winger. He's not going to put up as much points as you think. How are you feeling about that contract that he inks just a little while ago? I don't know. When he signed that, I was kind of nervous seeing that amount. You know, I, I'm not sure he really becomes close to a, a $5 million or whatever it is, 4.75. yeah. Or 7.5, you're right. Yeah, like, like it's, a, it's a bit high. But, I mean, I mean, at the same time, like I was honestly just more relieved that Ottawa was able to keep a young player. And you know, I understand that playing in Ottawa, you kind of have to put up with – everything that's going on but you know I mean at the same time it's you know sense aren't really gonna be spending to the cap probably in the next few years but it's uh, just crazy to think he's their highest paid forward outside of Bobby Ryan right now wow like like that is a wow where you're seeing (laughs) it is wild like Charlie Coyle's on the Bruins fourth line making five million dollars it's just crazy how much discrepancy there is between teams especially I'd imagine the Sens are gonna have an even tighter payroll next year if you can even imagine that than they had this year yeah that 2015 draft class like Colin White after that they reached on Gabriel Gagne and we don't need to cover that what a disappointment (laughs) uh but then Philip Schlappick as well in the second round Will Lannon and Yarosh as well who another guy who I I used to be a lot higher on uh than I am now so before we let you go Brochensky on Twitter make sure you follow him there as well uh, great, great content every day. You always seem to make us put a smile on our face. So let's end off on a bit more positive. Like Colin White, you're a little more disappointed in. Is there a prospect or a young player in the Sens organization that you're more high than most or that you're really excited to see take that next step? Um, I really think Eric Brandstrom. Like, like I know his, his first season up here, uh, he wasn't really noticeable. But, but tentative. Yeah, like he's still only like, you know, 20 years old and you know, he's got so much skill and you see those clips of him in the AHL, like he, like he looks unbelievably good. But I think I'm still really excited for him to come up. Yeah, well, I love that optimism and geez, when he's the <laughs> he's main He's getting piece. thrown under the bus quite a bit these days. 
But I think that's because everyone just looks at his little window in the NHL when he wasn't even, let's be honest, he really wasn't supposed to be in the NHL that long. I think there were some major injuries on that decor at the time. So, But if you look at his AHL numbers at his age, looking pretty decent. Yeah, comparably. And he's one of those guys, too, where much like Kachuk was one of the oldest in his draft, Branstrom was one of the youngest in the 2017 draft. So I think there's only two weeks that separate uh, Branstrom and, and Kachuk's birthdays. So to have him think that he's in his third plus draft year is a little unfair for him, especially he's yeah. not the biggest guy. He's going to take a little more time to put on size being yeah mid September birthday. So yeah, I, I'm excited about that too. Hopefully that it's not going to be too much longer. We're recording this morning, Chris and, 160 days since the, the Sens last played an NHL game. And like, oh, wow. we could only be halfway until they come back. How are you going to get through this extended period without Sens hockey? Yeah. I was... Bunch of Pink Whitney, eh? <laughs> oh my God, the Pink Whitneys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ordered some of those from uh, the LCBO and uh, yeah, they went, they went down pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, but we can tell. Go look at his Twitter name if you need the background <laughs> of that one. Uh, yeah, I do miss the Sens. Uh, you know, I, I know it's been tough the last two years, but as soon as playoffs start, started, I was like, man, I, I really miss watching them. Uh, this, this might be a dumb final question, but what are you more excited about? Picks three and five or the rebrand to the 2D? I'd, I'd say three and five. Yeah, like, that's, that's easy. But man, it can't be by much. Like this rebrand is going to be huge. Oh, like draft day, if you get to see Byfield in a 2D Sens jersey, like I, I think that'd be perfect. Yeah, the three first rounders introduce each jersey, which each, with each oh, pick. Now we're sense. now we're cooking, eh? Oh yeah. As we mentioned, Brochensky on Twitter, Crispy. Thank you for being a Sense Central citizen. We'll talk down the road. Awesome. Thanks for having me, boys. All right, big thanks to Brochensky for taking the time. Great to catch up with him. One of the all-time best on Sen's Twitter. So make sure you go give him a follow there. The elimination. The teams are just falling like apples off a tree in the wind right now. It's going to be an incredible second round and beyond. I've loved having hockey back. I think I can speak for all of you listening here on the Locked On Senators podcast, our Sends Abroad. You can always go on Twitter at Send Central and check that out and more. So for Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll do it again soon. Go Sends, go. It's only been 161 days. What's another 100? And by the way, if you're counting at home, 51 days until the NHL draft. We'll leave you with that. Good night, and we'll chat tomorrow.